Hi Church, my name is Ben and today's Bible reading comes from the book of Galatians in chapter 5 verses 13 to 26. Grab your Bibles and turn there and read with me now. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was John Newton who said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be or what I hope to be, but I'm not what I once was. Uh, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I love that. Not what I could be or should be or will be, but I'm not what I once was. I'm a work in progress. And that's what the Bible calls sanctification. That extraordinary truth that our God is at work in the lives of each of his precious children. By the Spirit of God, he is working to shape us and change us and transform us more into the likeness of Jesus. Uh, that word sanctification is a big word. It just means to be set apart for God, to be made holy. And that's an extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit. That's our topic for today. You see, when you first believe in Christ, when you're born again, the Spirit of God indwells you. But your body is said to be a temple for the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians. It's a bit like this. Imagine your Christian life is like a house. When you first believe in Jesus, the Lord Jesus enters through the front door of your house, through the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is in you. Jesus is in you. But he is holy, and so holiness and muck cannot coexist. So when he enters you, his job is to, to do a clean-up job. He spots out all the stuff that is rubbish, all the junk you've hoarded, all the stuff's not good for you, and he starts to work in making you more like Jesus. Room by room, bit by bit, he's changing you. He might start with the library, with your mind, the, 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 the bad thoughts you've had or the unhelpful images in your mind. He says, let's get rid of that. Let's replace that with something good and beautiful and wholesome. He goes to the dining room, the appetites, what, what you consume, and says, that is bad for you. 
Now feast on the word of God. Let me show you that your identity and your worth and your security is in Christ, not in your looks or your achievements. And bit by bit, day by day, he goes through different rooms, every room, every corner, every closet. And he just wants to get rid of all the junk in your life to make you a, a house, a palace fit for King Jesus. Doesn't that excite you? That the Spirit of God is at work in you to make you more like Jesus. Uh, it is 24-7. Uh, the Spirit is not like some weekly cleaner who comes in and does a bit of dust and says, bless you, see you next week. No, he's at work day by day, hour by hour, bit by bit, chipping away. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, to make you holy. He's the Holy Spirit, so he is holy, and he wants you to be holy. He wants to impart the holiness of God into you so you'd be more like the Holy Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when the Bible talks about sanctification, it's used in three different ways. You've got the immediate sanctification. So when you first believe in Jesus, God sees you as holy. He sees you as clothed in Christ. You've got the complete sanctification, total sanctification that will happen on the last day when you have your new bodies. But in between is this, this progressive sanctification, this work in progress as the Spirit shapes you and molds you and changes you. It's a bit like when someone buys an old ruined house, a renovator's delight. Once they buy it, it belongs to them. And they have in their mind what it's going to look like finally. But the hard work is the work of renovation. And that's what the Spirit does in us, the renovating work. So are you aware the Spirit of God is at work right now, wanting to change you and shape you and mould you? It's not a quick work. It's often slow, often gradual. It's a lifelong work. I love hearing those stories of the the Christian men and women who have been Christians for, for 50 years, but they're still a work in progress. It's not a pleasant work. No, renovation is hard work. And the Spirit sometimes uses trials and tragedies and suffering and pain to refine us and to change us. But don't you want to be holy? Don't you want to be just like Jesus? Well, listen today from Galatians chapter 5. Got two points. Here's the first. The fight. The fight. The Spirit equips us for the fight. As the hymn writer Horatio Bonner who said, while conversion calms one kind of storm, it raises another which is to be lifelong. And he's just saying as soon as the Spirit of God enters you, that's when the battle begins. This tug of war in your soul this battle between what the Bible calls the flesh and the spirit. Look at verses 16 and 17. So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict, in battle with each other. So this, this inner battle within each one of us, we are simultaneously righteous and sinful. We've got a new nature, a new self, a new being, we're new creations, the Spirit's in us. But our old nature, our old self, our sinful self is still there. It's the flesh versus the Spirit. 
And that word flesh, it's not talking about your skin, it's talking about your, your inner sinful heart. Remember that how to understand flesh, take the H off and read it backwards. S-E-L-F, self, what I want, when I want it, and forget God. And that old sinful nature is sitting somewhere in each, inside each one of us. It's often, you know, when a guest comes into your house that you realise how messy your house is. When the Spirit enters you, he reveals just how messy your life is. Yeah, we are free, verse 13. Free from condemnation, free from guilt. But verse 13, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't just do what you want to do because the flesh wants one thing and the Spirit wants another. They have these competing desires. Do you ever feel like that? You've just spent time on your knees before God and you are weeping over your impatience or your greed or your lying. You think, please, God, change me. And just moments later, you do exactly the same thing. You think, where did that come from? Are you aware of this, this continual warfare that's on in your body, your, your mind, your soul right now? You've got the, the pop-up ads in social media. They just pop out of nowhere. Where did that come from? This is the battle we face. According to the Bible, we're tempted by the famous trio of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is, is filling our minds with the things of this world. Our identity, our worth, our value, our dreams, our aspirations are shouted from every outlet. And the devil is prowling around like a, a roaring lion. He's tempting you, whispering, you know, God won't mind, God won't care, just as he did in Eden. But the focus here is on the flesh. See that in verse 19, the acts of the flesh, the works of the flesh are obvious, unmistakable. They can't hide them. And Paul lists 15 works of the flesh, and it's pretty ugly reading. Verse 19, sexual immorality, that is sexual sin in general, premarital, extramarital, in your mind. Uh, impurity, verse 19, that's your thoughts and your deeds. Debauchery, that is sensuality, is flirting, is smuttiness. Idolatry, it's worshipping anything other than God. Anything you put above God, your, your work, your looks, your pleasure, your possessions. Uh, witchcraft, uh, the word there is pharmacy or drugs, anything that messes with your mind. Hatred that hostility, that antagonism towards other people. Discord, when we quarrel with somebody, we don't speak to other people. Jealousy, when we see something that we want in somebody else and we long for it. Fits of rage, says Paul. That anger, the uncontrollable temper, the outburst. He goes on, selfish ambition, when you want what you want dissensions, division, disagreement, uh, factions, when you gather a group of people to make life difficult for others. Envy, when you resent other people, or drunkenness, when you overindulge in alcohol, or orgies, the, the out-of-control parties. And then he has three more words, and the like. And the like, he says, because this is not an exhaustive list. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole load of junk in our old sinful nature. There's loads of it bubbling away. We're just good at putting on a nice facade. That's the flesh. 
And no, we won't exhibit all of that stuff all the time. But we're all capable of it, aren't we? Let's be honest. And let's start, stop judging other people. Take the plank out of your own eye first. And let's not start to play the comparison game. You know, 50 points for that sin and 20 points for that sin. It's all sin, whether it's jealousy or sexual immorality. Sin is sin. And God hates it. According to this verse, he says that those who habitually live like this, who choose to persistently live like this, they won't inherit the kingdom that the Spirit's not in them. And we have a choice. You have a choice. That you either gratify your flesh or you crucify it. You gratify it or you crucify it. There's no middle ground. But listen carefully, friends. This is the good news. It is not down to you. It is not just down to you to fight. You've got everything you need in the person of the Holy Spirit. He equips you for this fight. He reminds you that the battle is actually already won. At verse 24, Galatians 5 verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's been done once and for all at Calvary. Galatians 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 7, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God who gives me the victory. The Spirit wants to assure you and confirm with you that you are forgiven, that sin has no power over you. You can change. And you can change because the Spirit of God will equip you with everything you need to change. There are four amazing phrases in this passage all about the Spirit. Underline them. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, live by the Spirit. Verse 25 again, keep in step with the Spirit. Paul is just hammering this. It's the Spirit's job. It's the Spirit's power. It's the Spirit's work. It's not down to you. Praise God for that. It's not your power, not your strength, not your effort. That would be exhausting. Or you feel proud. Now walk by the Spirit because he provides all the resources. Be led by the Spirit because he sets the direction. And keep in step with the Spirit because he controls the pace. Now we walk by the Spirit. That's how you fight. Uh, to walk by the Spirit just means that, that you put yourself under his direction, under his word. How does the Spirit speak? Uh, through the word of God, there's no, there's no shortcut here. Open your Bibles. If there's a command, we obey. If there's a warning, we heed it. If there's a promise, we claim it. Just let him shape your thinking, shape your thoughts, shape your mind, convict you and change you. He works through the people of God. Let other people challenge you, encourage you, and help you to fight. Uh, he works through the experiences. You know, he prods, he prompts. But you walk by him. Augustine said, love God and live as you please. The more you love God, the more you just live as you please. I love the story of the, the young man who became a Christian from quite a colorful background. And his non-Christian friends, I feel so sorry for you. You can't drink anymore. You can't go clubbing anymore. You can't sleep around anymore. And this young man said this. It's not that I can't do it. 
is I don't want to do it anymore because the Spirit has changed his wants. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. Allow him to change your wants. You walk by the Spirit, you are led by the Spirit because he steers you away from all those places and all those people that are going to put you back into your fleshly desires. And he leads you to the pleasant places where you can sit and grow forgiveness and gentleness and patience and peace. He, he leads, we follow. And we keep in step with the Spirit, verse 25. That just means that we walk according to his pace. You ever seen those armies where they're all marching together and it just looks so cool? But when one person is out of step, it is terrible. To be in step with the Spirit means that you're attuned to his thinking. So when you pray, do you pray, Spirit of God, shape me, change me, prod me, prompt me? See, the Spirit wants to bring transformation. But I fear that too many of us are just satisfied with where we're at. We've just accepted living with the junk in our life. It's almost like we're coasting along in neutral. The Spirit longs to transform you if you would let him. Remember the story of the, uh, the fisherman who brought his two dogs to the marketplace every Saturday. He had a black dog and a white dog. And every Saturday, these two dogs fought each other. And one week, the black dog won, and then the white dog, and then the black dog, and then the white dog, like clockwork. And a man came and said, how do you do it? How do you train your dog so you know who's going to win? He says, really easy. Every week, I starve one dog, and I feed the other. And the dog that I feed always wins because he is stronger. Same with us. Feed the spirit and you'll be transformed. Starve your flesh and your flesh will become weaker. I love keeping a journal because I look back on the way that the spirit of God has changed me because often you forget or fail to see it. So that's the fight. It's a lifelong battle but you've got everything you need to, to fight this fight. Number two, the fruit. The Spirit enables us to bear fruit. It's a bit of a chicken and egg thing, this. As we fight, we bear more fruit. As we bear more fruit, we fight even better. Verses 22 and 23 are just beautiful. Paul says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, John Stott says, the mere recital of these Christian graces should be enough to make our mouth water and our heart beat faster, for this is a portrait of Jesus Christ. And it really is. And that is the fruit of the Spirit, the, the character of Jesus being developed by the Spirit of Jesus in the followers of Jesus. So as we read these fruits, we should be saying, I want that, I long for that. Who wouldn't want to be more patient and, and more kind and more gentle? Before we look at them, let me say a few things about them. Uh, this fruit is expected. It's not an optional extra. Every believer is expected to bear fruit. Psalm 1 talks about the, the tree by streams of water bearing fruit in season. That's the righteous person. It's the Spirit's job to bear the fruit, not your job. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We are very capable of the acts of the flesh. We're good at that. But we can't produce this fruit 
in us. The Spirit does that work. So please don't read this list and roll up your sleeves and think, I can do this. I can be a good, kind, loving person. I can be a nicer person. That's just called fake fruit, wax fruit. And the Pharisees were very good at that. The flip side is that you do need to actually cultivate the right environment. It's like going to the garden. If you're going to grow seeds, you've got to plant the seeds and water the seeds and have good soil. That is your responsibility, but it's God's job to grow the seeds. And this fruit bearing, it is gradual. It's this constant, steady, ongoing progress. You know, fruit does not grow overnight. It starts with a, with a bud and then a flower and a little fruit and then a ripe fruit. And I think most Christians want to hurry on this process. We expect the, the Spirit of God just to zap us so we are perfectly patient and, and fully faithful. It doesn't work like that. He chips away, pruning often through trials and circumstances. But this fruit is vital for your Christian life. It's like the evidence that the Spirit is at work in you. Jesus said, by your fruit you will know them. And this fruit is singular, not plural. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit, but fruit, singular. It's not like the gifts of the Spirit where every Christian has just one or two gifts. No, every believer is expected to, to exhibit all of the fruit. It's not like an exam saying, attempt any four of them. So I'm happy to be joyful and, and loving and patient and kind, but forget self-control. Uh, someone described this as like a bouquet of flowers. There's nine beautiful flowers, not nine individual flowers, but nine flowers that come together into a beautiful bouquet because they complement each other. And did you know that when you give your life to Jesus, this is so exciting, when you give your life to Jesus, all the fruit of the Spirit, the seeds were planted in you, all waiting for the Spirit to cultivate it and germinate it and flourish in your life. So we look very briefly at them. Lots of opinions as to whether there's any order. The first three seem to be Godward. The next three seem to be outward towards other people. And the last three seem to be inward towards yourself. That could be true. But what is true is, is the, the most important one. The first one is love. Love is the central flower in the bouquet, if you want. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's what Paul says in verse 13. Don't indulge the flesh, but serve each other in love. Because love, your neighbor, is a summary of the law. So I want to finish this by reading through them, or actually praying through them. Praying that our church, and you personally will be open to this fruit in your life. Pray, open my heart, Spirit of God, to become more and more like this. So Spirit of God, would you, would you bear love in us? A love for you, Lord, and a love for others. An agape love, a selfless, sacrificial, other person-centered love that there's no hatred in me, but just, just love. And Spirit of God, would you would you grow joy in us? Uh, joy is not happiness. Happiness depends on your happenings. Uh, joy is that deep-seated contentment and satisfaction in God, whatever the circumstance. It's the Amy Carmichael who cared for thousands of girls but spent 20 years bedridden. But the room was said to be full of joy because the joy of the Lord was her strength. So Spirit of God, cultivate joy. Spirit of God, cultivate peace. 
You know, peace with you and peace within and peace with others, a, a peace of God that, that passes understanding. So I have calm in the chaos. I have stability in the storms. I don't fear the future because I know the one who holds my future. Don't you want that? Spirit of God, please cultivate patience, forbearance. It's that long fuse, that self-restraint when others provoke you. Spirit, help me not to retaliate or fly off the handle. A top tip here, if you want to grow patience in your life, just love other people well because people will frustrate you and disappoint you and annoy you and you will grow in patience. Spirit of God, would you grow kindness? Someone define kindness as sweet-tempered, gentle, thoughtful, tender, we're not harsh, we're not hurried, we have kind words and kind actions. Spirit of God, grow goodness, that practical love, doing things to bless others. When I see a need, I meet it. If there is no need, I'm just good towards them. I'm like a Barnabas who's a good man who just cares for others well. Spirit, grow my faithfulness. That is a reliability. It's not boring, it's reliable, trustworthy committed, well done, good and faithful servant. I long to hear that. Spirit of God, would you grow my gentleness, my meekness, not a weakness, a meekness, a, a quiet strength, a strength under control. Spirit of God, would you grow my self-control? Uh, that sober-mindedness, that ability to be measured and to manage my emotions and my actions there, please God. Because against such things, verse 23, there's no law, there's no boundaries. They grow and grow and grow. Don't you, don't you want to be like that? Don't you long for that? Today, why don't you tell somebody else the fruit of the Spirit you see in them, their kindness, their gen- Often we don't see it in ourselves. We need other people to tell us. But you can pray. Pray the Spirit of God grows this fruit in you. But try putting your name in verse 22. Kind of jars, doesn't it? But Paul Dale is love, joy, peace, patient. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. There's only one person who was full of love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, here's the best news. How do you grow this fruit? It's really simple. You just abide in Jesus, remain in Jesus. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Just stick with Jesus, love Jesus, know Jesus, delight in Jesus. He lives in you by his spirit. Allow him to transform you. He wants to make you holy. So the fight is brutal, but the fruit is beautiful. And we've got the spirit of God in us to bear this beautiful fruit. So I'm going to pray. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, make us as holy as it's possible for a saved sinner to be. And we claim, Lord, that verse of 2 Corinthians 3, where you say that we are being transformed into your image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from you, Lord, who is the Holy Spirit. Amen.